Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your optimal health. If you want to learn useful, practical how-tos of weight loss, exercise science, nutrition, or just how to optimize your time in the gym and life, this show is for you. Today I'm fired up. I'm fired up a little more than usual. The reason why I'm fired up is someone on the podcast today is on my team. And what I mean by on my team is a conversation you have of people you want in your life should always start with, if you were to go to war, who would you bring with you? And the guy that's coming on today, you are on my team. Over 20 years of experience in the personal training industry, you are a leader at the highest level. You've been mentoring people for many, many years. You have learned a ton about leadership and discipline, which is why we have you on the show today. Brody Thorne, welcome, Project Fitness Podcast. Let's talk discipline. Great to be here, Chris. I appreciate the kind words, and it's nice to be on uh, Team Fudge, as always. <laughs> team Fudge. When, when you build your team to go to war, you got to know who you have and for what reasons, right? Yeah, so, yeah. This isn't a joke. We've done this. We said, if we go to war, who are we going to have? And when we said, we're going to have this guy here, he's really good at technology. He's got a ninja friend that's like a black belt in jiu-jitsu, and she's like, I want her for these things here. And then um, I got my other buddy. He's a fixer. He can fix anything. He's going to make the team. And then we said, well, who's going to lead? We need leaders on this team. And right away, we're like, oh, we'll get Brody to come on board. It was a no-brainer. Because of all your experience you've had with leadership, I know you're a disciplined guy. So I want to talk discipline today. And starting off with discipline, you've worked in fitness and you've now flipped over. You have a new passion project on the go. You want to talk about that for a quick sec? Yeah, sure. Uh, quickly, just, I mean, this is this is something that has been a, a personal discipline for um, solidly for about 18 years now. And, you know, was ingrained in me uh, from the time I was born. I was born around working in hunting dogs. And I really had a tremendous amount of experience hunting, uh, whether it was hunting coyotes or hunting rabbits, hunting uh, waterfowl, there were different dogs designed for each task and they worked completely differently. So it was a pretty cool imprinting that I learned about dogs being bred for a purpose and to see them in action and to appreciate that and learn the training and fundamentals of how you get a dog to perform so well. Uh, That kind of stuck with me. And then in my teenage years, I, I got my first Rottweiler, who was a German import, and you know, I had to learn all. Sounds the- like you're describing your first car. Yeah, it felt like my first car, right? <laughs> German uh, import, and it, it was like getting a Ferrari too. So, <laughs> it, it, you know, she was very well trained, you know, uh, attack trained, the whole, the whole nine kind of thing. But an excellent dog, super well behaved, super stable left a great impression on me about what a protection dog should be and, and how they should act and how to care for them. Um, so then, you know, when I started adulting and I was able to properly afford and care for an animal and do it properly, I, I dove right into the protection sports when I lived in Ottawa and learned a ton of, of 
education from doing seminars and paying for private lessons and just to learn these different disciplines of tracking, obedience, protection, and learning how to be a decoy and catch dogs and be the bad guy, right? You have dogs bite you with the equipment on. So that was a, a skill that I just, I mean, I couldn't get enough of it. I would just, I would beg my club to train more. I mean, it, it just, I could, I couldn't get enough of it, mm-hmm. which was a nice escape outside of uh, the fitness work. And so I could separate and just only think about the singular focus. And I know everybody in fitness has their thing that they do outside of fitness so that they can balance themselves out. And for me, that, that was always working dogs once in a while golf too, um, but more working dogs. So now I've, I've t- transitioned that into, you know, I'm building an app for dog owners about how to become a great dog owner. It's not necessary. There are some training and obedience aspects in it, but it's more about, you know, how, how do I care for my animal as best as possible? How do I know I'm doing a good job in this mm-hmm. app? It's called My Puppy Pal is going to launch in June and I'm really excited about it. I think everybody's going to love it. And it's just, it's really simple. It's really easy. And it's just one of those things to make sure, Hey, you know what? I own an animal. How am I doing? You know, and it's constantly going to let you know that your dog's doing really well. It's on track. It's living a good life. And that's a little bit of peace of mind for people. And also there's some small little cool challenges involved in it. And then obviously uh, with the dog thing as well, I'm working on, launching my own dog training business which is more about people training and coaching <laughs> than it is about training the dog there must be some similarities between <laughs> that it's, it's an, there's incredible similarities right i mean you would know this chris from the hundreds of people you've worked with the best way to get a client to change is for them to admit that they're responsible mm-hmm. so it's the same thing if you want your dog to change you have to admit that you're responsible for the dog's behavior I like that you say that you're responsible. And I can attest from experience. I remember um, when we came up to visit you a few summers ago and one of my kids was, I don't know, the size of a football. And I said to you, I said, should I be worried about your dog Toro around my child? And you said to me, you said, no. And I said, well, why not? And you said, because it's not a threat. And I remember being like, what does that mean? Like my kid's not a threat. And you're like, yeah, the dog has been trained to only you know, be worried about threats and your child is not a threat. So right away I was like, oh yeah, I guess you really do understand dogs. Like I just knew you were training dogs prior to that for fun, but I didn't understand mm-hmm. the full uh, commitment and science. And then you and I were talking off air before about me being at the, the park this weekend. So I take my kids to the track and we do a workout and my oldest did um, six laps of 400 meters, 2.4K, he's six. He's doing good. He's going to make That's it. That's pretty solid. I know. I know. I was like, once you start doing, you know, like 10 Ks, oh, daddy might only do a couple a week. Uh, but we go to this track, me and my, my boys, and we just, we run laps. And I went there the other day and there was a group of like a dozen people with like six, seven dogs and they're all playing. And I knew it wasn't good because you said dogs do not like the dog park. Don't take your dog to a dog park. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's, Unknowns to a lot of people, a dog's DNA is 97% wolf. So wolf DNA. So in the wild, a wild wolf pack, if they encounter another wolf or another wolf pack, there's going to be a fight. Mm -hmm. Like that's how they settle territorial disputes. Uh, They don't, you know, the, the, the young wolf pack from one group doesn't go and party with another wolf pack from the neighboring tribe and hang out together and then go home at night. Like it doesn't work like that. It's if I don't know you, then we're going to figure out rank dominance. And 
in, in their instinctual way there, you know, there's usually going to be some aggressive component of it or submissive mm-hmm. component of it or, or a bit of both. Right. So when dogs enter into an area where other dogs of, especially dog parks, there's already familiar dogs have worked out a hierarchy between them. Um, and that can alone be stressful for a dog to end up there. Um, and as soon as one new dog enters the picture, that structure has to reset completely around the whole group. And that's what happens when you bring an adult dog into a new home, or even if you have your adult dog, this is how powerful this instinct is in a dog. If you take your dog that's lived with you for six years and it's super well behaved and you move into a new home, that dog will try and assert itself up the chain again because it's a new environment. It's a new mm. place. So, Hey, where do I, where do I, Hey, this is a new environment. How do I rank here? Maybe I can, maybe I can move up a little more. Mm-hmm. So every single time there's a new dynamic entered in, everything starts all over again. Mm-hmm. And when it starts all over again, we can have a fight. Yeah. And, a lot of ex- inexperienced dog owners, a fight can be a very violent, traumatic thing. And most people try and stick their hands in the middle and end up getting bitten really bad sometimes. Mm-hmm. And also dogs get terribly injured and sometimes killed. Mm-hmm. And people feel like the dog is enjoying itself at the park when it's not. The dog enjoys being in it with its pack. So instead of taking the dog to the dog park, maybe take the dog to an area, a wooded area that's empty and go for a 40 minute walk with your dog off leash where there's mm-hmm. nobody else around. The dog gets way more out of that than it does at the dog park mm-hmm. because it's with you. It increases that bond with you instead of other dogs. Right. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's great information. Uh, just so anyone's thinking about dogs now to interact with their dog. Um, I think that was a golden nugget. And what happens when someone says to you, no, I think my dog likes going to the dog park and I'm going to keep taking them there. I usually just say, how do you know? Did they tell you? <laughs> yeah, true. Dogs aren't chatting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They won't. And, this, and, and interestingly enough, uh, signs of the dog smiling or panting are usually signs of stress. Right. And or or excitement and excitement leads to aggression very quickly. Mm -hmm. So a lot of a lot of people or novice dog owners don't uh, understand dog uh, nonverbal cues and nonverbal is is, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of their communication. They barely vocalize uh, their communication with other dogs unless they're obviously growling, showing teeth. Right. so they can show a lot of stress without the human understanding that the dog is stressed or uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've seen you when you work with your dogs over time, um, very disciplined with how you, how you work with them. I've heard you say you only need like a couple minutes a day to do something. You do it multiple times a day. And I remember yeah. going over to your place and you were doing these things with the dog periodically. And then I even remember you and I were chatting, we were going to get up and maybe go for a run the next morning or something. And, um, I didn't get up, but, um, I, when I finally got up, you were gone. You were gone. And I said, I said, oh, he's gone. And then I'm like, man, he must have been out for his run. I was sleeping in, obviously. And then sure enough, that's what happened. You came over again. I went, to, you were sleeping. I was going to go do my thing. And I was like, yeah, that's the guy going to war with me. We were up late last night. We had a few <laughs> drinks. And this yeah. guy's still going to get his fitness in in the morning. This guy's coming to war with me. So that was my first real life experience of, of your level of discipline. Can you talk a little bit about what is discipline? Where does it come from? 
Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I, I was really glad that we're talking about this subject. And I mean, I don't, I didn't look up the definition of discipline. Um, I'm almost finished reading um, Jordan Peterson's latest release, uh, An Antidote to Chaos, yeah. 12 More Rules. Um, I, I love his content. It's, it's great for people. Um, and my, my definition of discipline, I, I wrote it down because I want to make sure I, I said it properly when I really thought about it, are the actions, both physical and psychological, taken by a being in the pursuit of the greater self. And I say a being in the pursuit of a greater self because when we think about discipline, discipline in terms of the way we, we physically act or the way we think there's a certain level of consciousness and understanding that you're going to do things that you don't want to do that are, that are not pleasurable. There's not instant gratification or feedback, but things that must be done in the pursuit of something higher or greater purpose. And that greater purpose or higher purpose has to result in the advancement of yourself. So, we can look at this from an evolutionary standpoint, right? So not just with humans, but with animals, there are tons of things that animals do out of a disciplinary role that they would rather not do, but they must do. Mm-hmm. And this drives evolution over the long term. So for example, if you have a, let's say you have a, a dominant male lion in Africa who was just fended off uh, two challengers at once a couple days earlier and he's he's pretty banged up maybe he lost an eye um you know slightly disemboweled whatever it may mean he's still going to patrol his territory he he doesn't want to have to do it he's in some pain but he's going to continue to go about his territory because he has to do that Mm -hmm. right and that is now is he consciously doing it i would say yes uh, but it's also instinctual as well. It's, it's, it's evolved to that point, uh, whether it's, you know, an animal sharpening its claws or the impala that jumps for no reason other than to show its potential captors how healthy it is. Mm-hmm. That, that happens through repetition. Um, there are all kinds of different things that, you know, beavers build multiple dams over and over again. Why? To build a better dam. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's always a sense of things that a being will do that will, at the end of the day, it eventualize itself into a greater self or a greater, a greater being. And with people, we have a much higher state of consciousness, um, which can be a blessing and a curse, right? So the unique thing about being human, especially in 2021, is we 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 have the decision to do it or not whereas our ancestors didn't mm-hmm. um and if you look back into when the the, the interest this is an interesting thing when it comes to evolution so you know maybe a hundred years and change ago the average life expectancy was much lower right yeah. what most people don't talk about is the only reason that life expectancy has increased over the last hundred or so years is not because people are living older. It's because less people are dying under the age of 18. Mm-hmm. So, and the average yeah, is- I'm sure you know this. So, so 
what's happened is we've had this massive population growth and this sounds really harsh to say of people who genetically shouldn't have survived <laughs> right that, that's going to be a solid sound bite just so you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you're right. But it is, you're it right. is factual, though. Right? I, I tell my factual. kids, they're like, Daddy, I can't have that. I can't bring that to school. There's nuts. And I'm always like, okay, here we go. I, hey, listen, sometimes when Sophia brings me home her homework, I'm like, I, I'm not sure. We'll see how this turns out. But, it, I mean, that's – and I think that's the key issue here. So we're at a unique time where people can make the decision to improve themselves. And I think that – uh, there's that saying, if you, if you have a strong enough, why there's an infinite, how, right. And discipline falls into that. So I think that people who are interested in the topics of discipline, maybe it's the word is thrown a lot around, like, uh, more of a masculine term mm -hmm. or more of a harsher term, like mm -hmm. discipline and this, not the other thing where, I think that it's, you know, one of the most disciplined people I've ever met in my life. And I mean, I obviously know the person intimately It is my wife, um, not because um, of any one thing that she does, but it's her constant evolution of changing her habits to constantly perfect this end result that she's looking to achieve mm -hmm. it is really a magical thing to behold to watch a person make incremental changes and consistently implement those changes and get stronger and stronger and wiser and wiser and broaden out their the entirety of what they are mm -hmm. and it's it is a great example for myself and it's in being able to observe it reinforces my belief in adopting certain habits constantly enough so that you become a master of many things, right? Um, take example, uh, the, the first time you saw someone squatting in the gym, how long ago was that? Uh, geez, no, 15 years, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm sure you're thinking about the person now and, think about all of the knowledge and experience you've acquired um, education-wise, but also in practical experience and coaching and everything else. And imagine the way you would look at that squat now compared to back then. You know what? Right? Now that you say that, the first time, I remember the first time now when I was wondering why they didn't have that pad on their back. I was wondering why they didn't have it. That must hurt their neck. Yeah. I was like, it can't be good for his knees either. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, that's an example of just looking at one movement and thinking about how many things there are to master in coaching someone to squat at a level that would satisfy your eye now. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and then when you, you transcend that in, in terms of the fitness industry, and what you do as a coach, there are so many things for you to master. And I remember when you presented at the first PT Day of Excellence and you presented to the group about making sure that you, you get stronger at your strengths, but pick one thing a year that you suck at to learn more about. Mm -hmm. And I really, it, it opened up my eyes to how you can, you can do both. Right. And then maybe, maybe when something 
is a weakness, it, it really can turn into a strength over time as well. Because if you stay consistent with learning about that added aspect every year, over 10, 15, 20 years, you're a master, mm -hmm. right? And I really think that's the concept of, of discipline is that if you want, if you're looking at yourself about what you want to become, and I think that's important for every person's soul, is asking themselves who they want to be, who they want to become. And you have this, this image, this greater self or greater, greater person in the long run. And you have to backtrack that and say, what are the, what are the actions that I need to take each day that will propel me there when this is done? Right. And, and that has to be about, it's not about motivation. It's about the determination to achieve something that may not, ever, not be achievable. But the cool thing about discipline is disciplined people always make progress yeah. over the long run. You can't, you can't argue that. And, and even just knowing that we were going to sit down and we were going to discuss this, I brought up the conversation to people in my circle. And I, and I kept asking, what is discipline? What is discipline? What's discipline to you? And a, a common response that I got from, from most people was it's, it's behavioral modification. And they would use examples, of, you know, like a dog, you know, rub its face in its poo or something like that. And I remember being like, ah, I just don't think it's behavior <laughs> modification. I think it's so much deeper than that. And, and I like your definition so much better, being a better version of yourself and working to be that. Yeah. And they're, and they're so, you know, we'll, we'll use the dog analogy again. So I am the type of person that, I have a, a extremely high amount of empathy for animals uh, just because of the education that I have and understanding their psychology and their mind and what they need. So I know how critical it is for a dog to get its daily exercise and get out of the house. And I think I'm not alone here in saying I'm a little tired of my house. I'm grateful that I have a beautiful home, mm -hmm. very grateful, but it's, it's, it's still a prison right now. Mm -hmm. And to a dog, it's like that its whole life. Mm -hmm. So imagine the difference and the benefits it makes to the dog being able to get out a couple of times a day for at least, you know, a half an hour. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know that in fact, in Germany, they passed the first lot in the world that if you own a dog legally, you're required to exercise your dog an hour a day outside. Really? Legally. Yes. And if you don't, they confiscate the dog. We should put that law, law ever passed. We should put that law on humans. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it probably get us out of this mess a lot faster, wouldn't it? 100%. Put it on humans or at least on parents with kids. You yeah. Know, yeah. Maybe exactly. 30 minutes or something like that. My neighbors think yeah. that I'm crazy when we do stuff with our kids outside all the time. And I'm like, no, man, people need to move. People need to get outside. You know, dogs need exercise. We, we all need that. With the exercise component, the casual dog exerciser usually makes itself noticeable this time of year when the weather starts getting nicer and people start coming outside but within about six this is kind of the the january for dogs okay so everybody's highly motivated to get outside the weather's getting now oh, let's take toby around the neighborhood for a walk and, you know as you know four or six weeks fades by toby ends up you know, maybe in the backyard, digging a few holes for his exercise for the day. Right. Yeah. Um, in the, the middle of January, when it's 
minus 28 it's miserable out it's cold out and it literally takes you know five minutes to put five pounds of gear on to get outside um there's no part of me that wants to do that Mm -hmm. there's just an understanding that that must be done in pursuit of accomplishing the things with my dog that I want to accomplish. Most importantly, the relationship that I have, mm-hmm. if I don't have the relationship with the animal that I want to have, I can't take him to the level in training that I want to take it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then the same thing goes when I return from that walk and I'm you know, sweaty and tired and grumpy and it's still dark outside. And it's like, Oh, what time is it? It's time to lift. Yep. Right. Yep. It's time to get down to the basement and, and get cracking. Mm-hmm. That's there's no motivation there. No, nope. right? I've been doing it 30 years now. So, but it's it has to happen. Mm-hmm. Why? There's a pursuit that I have in terms of my overall being that I have to attain. And physical fitness, as you know well, it's this you got to do it for the rest of your life. There's no mm-hmm. you don't just do it to accomplish X. It's this is who you are. Mm-hmm. Um so th- that's, those are a couple examples of discipline that don't really have a tremendous, especially right now when I don't have any quote unquote fitness goals. Um, you know, I got my five wheel squat in the fall. I, you know, I came close to hundred kilo power snatch. I got 98 this last training cycle and, and I'm taking a, Did you do it in the basement a, though? Cause gravity's a little different in a bait. Maybe it added two kilos. I, uh, if I hadn't done it in the basement, maybe. But I did it at a at a more body, okay. um, so maybe that was even cheating there. I don't know. But in in any event, um, you know, it, it's like I think that's that's the other part of it as well is that there are going to be times when you do have goals and you're highly motivated to do certain things, and then other times when you're you're not highly motivated. There's there's not concrete goals, but you you have to do something. Yeah. Um, goes back to what what Jocko says about discipline as well. Like even when you wake up sick, like do something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's a part of it as well is that, again, this is where that um, really strong masculine, you gotta be disciplined, you know, you know, don't be a bitch or whatever it is. Like I, I think like that too sometimes, but there's also the softer side of it, of discipline that you have to think about and say, you know, you know what it's, it's okay to screw the pooch a little today and take it easy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jim Wendler talks about it in five, three, one, uh, you know, some days you're not feeling it, do, do your main lift and go home. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that in fitness, especially because people in fitness are so hard on themselves, yes, uh, both clients and personal trainers, it's okay to suck sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's okay to have a bad month or, or two, you know, we, we've all been there. We've all done that. You know, it's, it's, and it, and when you are, you know, just the universe is trying to tell you something you're, it's either telling you to take a step back, to recover, to grow from your pain, mm-hmm. um, whatever, you know, I listened to a uh, quick, lip from Andy Frisella this morning about everything going on right now with COVID and everything. And he said, um, the people that, and I really believe this, the people that, that grind through this and stick through this, like you are going through this because it is going to make you so powerful when it's over. 
mm-hmm. right? And any amount of suffering I've done personally in my life, and there's there's been enough of it, always looking back, uh, it's the, it was the greatest gift to me. Mm-hmm. Some of the, the, the best people you meet in your life have gone through some of the craziest struggles. Yeah. And when you sit back and you say, I'm going to build my team to go to war with, you, you don't want anyone who's never been there before. You don't want anyone who hasn't suffered because you're right. It makes them so much better. And environments, nature, it's all the same thing. If you starve your grass long enough, it'll start to die. But then when you water it, it'll thrive greater than when you were watering it on a regular basis. There's a reason why people jump in and they do ice baths. They don't do that because it feels good, right? From our genetic potential, it actually makes those telomeres longer. It makes us more, um, less susceptible to disease, increased longevity. Fasting is a phenomenal example. Anything you do that's uncomfortable makes you better. And you're bang on when you talk about, you know, doing exercise or just where we are in the world today. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's where the understanding of discipline has to come across. It's if if you're consistently, and I mean, and discipline is is really about a daily thing, and that's where I think if if you are there are we we are the physical manifestation of our de- decisions that we've made, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're thinking about your own personal discipline, you have to think about what are the things that that you're willing to do knowing that there will be no immediate positive feedback to achieve a certain purpose. And this is where being motivated it isn't necessarily a way to discipline. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, there can be times where you are motivated, but in order to be disciplined, there has to be that it's, it's almost like a spiritual thing about who you are. And I do think that there's a beauty in, um, you know, mankind striving to improve themselves. And this is, this has been seen throughout our history, right? Like the, the, the Mesopotamians, if I say it right, even before the ancient Egyptians, there were things that they did to, to self-improve, to strive for greater ancient Mm -hmm. Egyptians as well, uh, striving for greatness. Their, their stories of, of Horus, uh, you know, losing his eye and coming back and, and killing his uncle that killed his dad to, to rule the world in a positive way. Like there are these, you know, there's always these stories, you know, whether it's Jesus Christ rising from the dead, like there's, there's all these in the Roman times, there's always been stories of struggle before attaining a higher level. Yeah. Um, and to live is to struggle. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you embrace that understanding that struggle means progress, then you can understand that being, being disciplined, uh, David Goggins is one of the most disciplined people, right? And you, you have to smile sometimes. Like I'm sure yourself, like there's been countless powerlifting sessions that you've done where you've, you've, you know, thought about not doing it or not even walking down the stairs into the fudge factor, whatever it is. And, and at some point you, you get reminded or you probably almost smile to yourself to say, this, this sucks, man. It does. I'm doing it. Yeah. I think of Goggins and I'll be like, if he was here right now, what would he whisper in my ear? <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, oh, t- <laughs> right. You're right. Yeah. Time to go lift. Yeah. yeah. That, that guy's a disciplined machine. And uh, I love everything about him and Jocko, like the guys you're mentioning right now, 
when it comes to discipline. Motivation, as we know, is is great to get people going. You, you yeah. need to start something to create a spark. But motivation is always based on what you want at some point in your life. You're like, I want to lose 30 pounds. So you think, oh, I'm motivated to lose 30 pounds. But if you don't lose one pound after one workout, what keeps you going? And I think that's yeah. where discipline is that, you know, mines the gap there for people. Now, in your life, um, when have you ever been faced with a hard amount of discipline? Or maybe earlier on in your life where you're like, hey, I need to smarten up or I need to learn how to use discipline better off um, for myself. Well, I think it, again, and this is where, you know, upon reflection, it leaded to my my definition of discipline. The, the first time I can remember being truly disciplined was, uh, so I went to, to school on a volleyball scholarship and I was, uh, you know, I was, I was pretty good. I was a, you know, I was a good, good jumper. I could hit a ball very hard. Um, but there were, there were guys, like I played at a high level, uh, just before college and there were guys on the junior national team that I competed against. There were friends of mine that were just playing better. Uh, they were all taller than me, but. I didn't, in my mind, I didn't care that they were taller. I cared that they were better. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I'm going to, I refuse to let you be, be physically more capable than me. Um, unless you work as hard as I do. So I can remember uh, living, I lived in a, a townhome at the time that had a lot of different floors on a lot of different stairs. And there was, there were these, uh, shoes that were being sold. I forget what they were called, but they had that. You might've seen them. They had this like the spring. It was a block about this big. And then the shoe was like this. Yeah. The spring shoe. Yeah. It, yeah. The spring. Yeah. Whatever, yeah vertical. Spring shoe. Yeah. yeah. So, so my buddy had a pair and uh, I looked at a program and I was like, well, I'm going to do the jump program. Right. Uh, so I, I did these, like, I would just do vertical jump up and down these stairs every day. I would train my calves at the end of each session, like do single calf raises, like hang on to something heavy, like a heavy dumbbell and do the calf. Like I would just, just everything I could do to, get my vertical as high as it could. And then I looked up articles on how to, you know, what exercises I needed to do to strengthen my rotator cuff enough to hit a ball harder and everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I, I, I did this so relentlessly, like my, my dad thought I was nuts. You know, he was like, what are you doing? And, and I just, I was obsessed with this improvement and I wasn't, I wasn't motivated. I just, I was just, when I get into season next year, I'm the, the reaction that I have to watching them warm up and hit balls off the floor and off the roof. That's the reaction that they're going to have when they see me do it better. So it, it wasn't about, it didn't matter how hard it was. Like I, I just didn't care. And it was interesting when I realized I was, I had achieved something that one of my teammates in college first year, he was the CCAA athlete of the year. Uh, so he's the best, not just best volleyball player in Canada, uh, collegial athlete, but, but the whole, 
every sport he was voted best athlete. That's how amazing this guy was. He was mm. so talented. Stud. And he's like, Hey man, I want to do this training you're doing. Like I heard you're like crazy serious about your training. I said, yeah, let's do this. So I went to this one out, outdoor place with all these steps that were just, you know, they make so puke. And I just, I was ripping up these steps and he literally quit after 10 minutes. And I said, dude, like, this is the warm up, man. He's like, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this. And this is the, the best player in the country. So I, I, it clicked in my head. I said, I did it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, <laughs> yep. I'm not going to get any better now. Like that's, I've, like, this is kind of mission accomplished, right? <laughs> Pass the test. So, so I think that's, that's, that's the first time I remember clicking in to say, this is, this is who I want to become, you know, and I, as you know, when you're at that, you know, your late teens, early twenties and you're in a, you're a high level athlete. I mean, you have tunnel vision about how to improve. Right. And mm-hmm. this was something I knew I was like, I can do this and I can just, I can do it as hard as I can. And I know at the end of the day, it will work. And I just, I kept doing it and doing it and doing it. I, I could feel it paying off, but there was that moment where it really did pay off mm-hmm. that I could tell, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it was in that, those types of experience, I think, reinforce in your mind that doing that works, mm-hmm. right? I'm a big believer that, you know, discipline and, and grit specifically are based on previous experiences. And yeah. once you've, once you've had them, you can always fall back on them and then use them to build off of in, in, in future times. Yeah. So, so every time you're like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta go lift or something. You're like, man, just like volleyball, just like volleyball, right? You've, you've been there before. Yeah. Now, what about someone if you work with, um, because in your previous role within fitness, you were, you were leading the company, you were working with different managers and you were always trying to make them better leaders. Discipline had to play a large role in that. If you've ever worked with someone who had no discipline, you know, what would you say to them? How could someone develop discipline if they've never had any? What? Do you just give them first, the shoes? First, Do you give them the, the jumpy shoes and say, wear these to work for eight hours? We'll start with that. Yeah. I mean, the first thing is hopefully in my selection process to hire a, a higher level manager. I did my due diligence to make sure they're at least fairly disciplined at work. I uh, didn't always get it right, but most mm-hmm. times I did. But I did have experiences with people who were, they were just excellent with their team, excellent people, very, very intense, driven, caring people that in that environment at the club level, uh, you can you can get away with being sloppy mm-hmm. uh, and produce great results because you're with your people all the time. Right. Yes. Uh, whereas when you were removed the, and, and, I, and I've said this a million times, but the, the difference between running things in a club and running clubs from the next level, it's, it's so much different of a challenge that it, it can, it's a, such a tremendous shift in how you lead that it, it can really, it, sometimes it can bring out the worst in people. And I've seen it bring out the worst in people, like literally, um, you know, listening to them on a call that they don't know I'm on and being really disappointed in how they speak to people Mm -hmm. Uh, because I know the impact of that, but also because it's unbecoming of them. Like it's not who they are either. 
And it's terrible to see somebody outside of themselves because they feel a lack of control over things. Yeah. So whenever I've, I've, I've noticed that, or I've noticed um, discontent under underneath of them, I, I try and uh, unpack all that and take a look at what the level of preparation is for things. So it, in my experience, when, when you're leading people and this, and this is when I was a fitness manager or a regional or director, anything, uh, I learned very quickly that if, if I'm leading people, their success is my responsibility. I mean, their behavior is their responsibility and their choices are their responsibility, but I'm, I'm the difference maker, whether this person thrives or not. So it's up to me to try and figure it out. And some of the best people I've worked with had this mentality as well. So I, I figured out pretty quickly that if I can be really well prepared for the conversations that I need to have with my facts uh, and not be reactive and think about what potential solutions I see to bring on the table, then I can show a person that, that they can, that, that I've done my work and that I care and I want to know what they think and if, if they have anything else to offer. So I, I implemented that very early and then I, I started teaching others how to do that as well. Mm -hmm. And when I noticed things falling off course, it's like it, there was a commonality. It's like the level of preparedness isn't where it needs to be, which is why, you know, shit's not getting done or people aren't following through because you weren't prepared to have the conversations about the things that make a difference. And now you're pissed off. You're not getting what you want out of them, but the things you talked about led you exactly where you are. Mm -hmm. So whose fault is that? Mm -hmm. Is that their fault when you're ripping them? Or is that maybe your fault because you didn't have your shit together when you went in to see them? And not absolving everybody of their own mm -hmm. responsibility, Mm -hmm. But the leader, you know, there's no bad teams. There's only bad leaders. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing, and the only reason why I bring this up right now is I know that if I'm thinking this, someone else is thinking this. To cultivate discipline in other people, you got to do it first. And if you are managing people, you have to be prepared. And if you're not prepared for it, so the discipline of doing whatever you need to to prepare, it's going to be a shit storm afterwards. Am I right to say that? Yes, and I think that... Le leadership in itself is discipline mm -hmm. right like and i mean if you're going to be a leader right like if you, if you take yourself as an example chris um in my experience with you everything that you do it's obvious that you're there's a level of preparedness there's a level of you you're taking it serious if you're going to do it you're going to take it seriously and there's a standard that you have in terms of the product or delivery or whatever it is that you're going to do. You want it to be done well. It's just obvious, right? Mm. And all of those things could happen without you knowing shit about powerlifting mm. that would create a certain level maybe of persona, but because you have everything else behind it, it's that much more powerful in terms of your own brand as a coach and everything else, right? Mm. So every... And, and you would, you're who I would consider to be a top leader in the industry. So that's where 
I say, you know, leadership and discipline go hand in hand. It's because a real leader is a person who's disciplined, right? A real leader, if, if they're going to, you know, if they're going to tell you to train dogs, they can't just watch the fucking dog whisper. <laughs> Great like, show, though. Well, yeah, yeah. You, you Entertaining. Could. Yeah. But, um, but at the end of the day, it's like you, you have to exhibit a lot of habits to be an expert at whatever it is you're asking people to do. And that's why um, one of the, the, the biggest rules I ever had working in the fitness industry was I'm never going to ask you to do something that I didn't do myself or I wouldn't have done because some, something might be different, right? Because things change over 20 years. And I really meant that, right? And, and that's why I would, you know, as a big proponent, um, you know, back in the days of really driving hours culturally around the company and everything or efficiency or any of these, you know, <laughs> good life Metrics. things, yeah, yeah. whatever, um, you know, that, that can take on a, a, a negative connotation. Um, a lot of di- there, there would be, you know, because a lot of times people are not necessarily uh, sure about the why or explaining or, or good at relationships, you know, they resort back to power. We'll just do it or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And there were so many different times where, because I'd lived it, I was able to explain things in a way to people that sometimes even validated that they were right about things they were pushing back on their manager. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's about making sure that the, the individual is getting into things, what they want. And, and if you're not, then that's where we have to have a conversation about what the solution is. If you're, if you're not going to try it this way, but then complain that you don't have the end result that I think this way is going to get you, then where do we go from here? Right. Mm-hmm. But if the person's like, Hey, I'm at this end result and, and I'm doing well, and this is working for me. Why do I have to do X in a lot of different cases? I've said, don't. Right. And I can remember a situation patch talked about when he brought in the, the uniforms for fitness advisors and his top selling fitness advisor in downtown Toronto at the time begged him not to wear the new uniform <laughs> and said, you'll, you'll crush my style, my, my passion for the work. And, and he convinced Patch to let him to continue to dress the way he wanted. <laughs> right. Because, it, it, and I think that's a, another example of leadership of things that I learned from Patch over the years that, you know, you, you, you have to be reasonable and you got to treat people like individuals. And sometimes, um, Sometimes not getting your own way gets you your own way. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you, you know, you at the end of the day, everybody in leadership wants to see their people thrive and be, be happy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just not worth putting a square peg in a round hole so that you feel better that somebody might comply. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's better to, to give them a little and make them feel a little validated and, and more in control of their shit because mm-hmm. they'll down the road if if things don't work out maybe that way they're more open and they're more loyal too mm-hmm. because you're willing to listen and i think if you're not disciplined and you don't go through the struggles that people go through and you don't feel what that's like you can't have empathy so do the work yourself so that when you're when you're going to coach anybody on the things you're talking about there's a greater level of understanding about what a person is going to go through. Yeah. Right. 100%. You got to, you got to take your shoes off, hop in their shoes sometimes, or at least say, Hey, I've been in those shoes. 
I've done what I'm asking you to do. You know, and it's easier to buy into that as well when someone has already done it before. There's a level of respect that's automatically automatically earned. Yeah. And I think that um, when it comes to, to discipline, if I work with a, a client, sometimes they will say to me, Chris, I was too emotional. My emotions got the best of me. Is it safe to say that discipline can and should also affect your emotions? Should you be able to discipline your emotions? I'll give you an example. Before kids, when I would drive down the road, if you cut me off, I would let you know you cut me off. Now, when I've got a, a four and a six-year-old in the back seat and you cut me off, I will let it go. I will discipline my own emotions for the better of everyone else, for the good of the fudge kind. Right. Well, it, yes. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of people driving in Ottawa, especially that have driven across the border that are happy that you react that way. <laughs> I think what, what it sounds like you're saying is, can we discipline our emotional reaction? Hmm. Um, I, being an impulsive guy, I think that it's, it's, I mean, there are, there are varying, varying types of people and the emotions that we have are a response to the stimulus that we get. Right. And the, and I've done some research on this actually about um, the evolution of the brain and how um, interpretation is triggered through stimulus and everything. And I think it's, there, there are um, psychological tools and things that you would need to discipline yourself to adjust your reaction to things emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, so I don't think that you can discipline your emotions. What I think you can do is discipline your emotion, your reaction to what you're feeling. Mm, right. Yeah, like and, and I've, I've had to do a lot of work <laughs> myself uh, over the years. And um, I think one of the, th one of the tools that's probably served me best, again, going back to Jordan Peterson in his first book, 12 rules for life is uh, always assume that the person you're speaking with knows something you don't. Mm. And that can mean anything. Right. So um, as, as heels dug in, as a lot of us can be in our position on some things, uh, I'm constantly reminded and haunted by that chapter in the book, because there are so many times where I think I know everything about something that I realized that there's something that I didn't know and my perception about everything completely changes. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think it's, I think it's important to manage your ego constantly when it comes to your, your view on whatever it is, especially if you're passionate about something, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're passionate about something, there's always the danger of becoming an ideologue. Yeah. And that's where you don't want to be because an ideologue turns into good versus evil. Mm -hmm. And that's just, a, it's not a pleasant place to live in at all. So I think that if you, if you can regulate that, that sense of understanding around maybe not knowing everything about a certain situation, um, 
then your emotional reaction can be a little bit more tamed. So for let's use your example with in the car with the kids. So I didn't tell you this story before, but you're going to enjoy this. So my dog got extremely stoned on Monday. I mean, high as a kite, stoned. Your dog? Uh, yes. Okay. He, we were in the forest hiking, and I didn't know this, but he had gobbled up someone's hidden stash. <laughs> and okay. I picked up on it when I got home because he looked a little weird in the eyes, and he had one paw sticking up. And then he took all the brownies. And No, no, actually, <laughs> he didn't want to eat anything. He just literally walked over to the wall 15 minutes after being home and just crashed into the wall with his neck all weird. And I looked at my wife and I said, look at this, look at this clown. What's he doing? And we kind of, she was like, I don't think that's right. I was like, I'll just leave, must eat dinner. And then it's not normal for him not to be interested in dinner. He doesn't nose around the table. He's just, he hangs out near us because you never know. Sophia might drop something. Might slip, yeah. So, yeah, so he, but he was catatonic in that state we get done dinner and she's like he's not well so when i realized he's really screwed up i freak out i called them I'm like i'm on my way and i mean i'm driving 150 and i usually never go above 119 you know down the 407 i get down there and i'm literally you know rush him in i find out he's just high and i just yeah sigh of relief but also it was it was terrifying right so somebody cuts you off your initial reaction is that guy's a jerk, but you know, maybe his, his, his daughter is in the back seat with a broken leg mm -hmm. and they're, they got to get somewhere to get her treated or mm -hmm. they've got a high dog in the back that they think is dying. You know what I mean? Like, it's yep. like always assume that there's something you don't know about a situation and it tempers your reaction. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably the, how you can discipline emotions is by having the thought like that. And that can be really hard at times, right? Uh, especially if you're passionate about something or, or in the moment you get hot. But I found that that's something that has helped me. Um, hopefully it can help your, your listeners, but, but definitely, you know, no matter how strong a person's opinion is or how sure you are about a topic, just look for opportunities of things that maybe you don't know. And maybe it, maybe it's, maybe I'm going to learn something about this person that I didn't know about before. Yeah. Maybe it's not even the subject, right? Yeah. You don't, you don't know what you don't know, but if you assume <laughs> someone knows more than you, you might think differently. Yeah. Uh, there's a good book I just read by Adam Grant called think again. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's solid book, man. Solid book. Cause it, pretty much tells you to look at situations differently, think about them differently. And as a parent, um, it's a good one to read. Think again, Adam Grant, where you can take, um, like we would sit at the dinner table and we would change the conversation. So my boys are really big into space, right? Science and space. So I asked, I asked one of my sons, I said, um, how did the dinosaurs become extinct? And then he said, oh, an asteroid hit the planet and then they, they all died off. And I said, how else do you think the dinosaurs could have been extinct? And he looked at me funny. And then very quickly he said, what if one dinosaur farted and the, the, the bubble of the fart was so big it killed off all the other dinosaurs? <laughs> he was dead serious. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But if I asked you how else could the dinosaurs be extinct, you would go back to what you know. You only know what you've read or heard. 
Mm-hmm. How do we know that never happened? One big old brontosaurus, right? Could have found <laughs> yeah. someone's stash of something, overindulged, and then that happened. But when, yeah. when you talk about thinking differently or um, um, disciplining your emotions because you don't you don't know what someone else knows, I think that's a solid solid takeaway. Brody, where would you be? Where would you be in your life without discipline? Well, I think that if I didn't have discipline, uh, there would, there would be no Brody. Um, I think that there, I would have, there, there, there's definitely a high likelihood of some sort of substance addiction, um, or something, something like that. Uh, definitely alone. Um, not in, in alone in, in the sense that I wouldn't really have much to offer. And one of the, one of the fundamentals of um, being human is feeling like you matter in your tribe. Right. Um, And, and I, I pride myself with associating with people who are not necessarily like-minded, but strong-minded and forward thinking um, people who want to make a difference. um, Good people as well right and if if i didn't have discipline in my life i don't think that i really have anything to offer therefore i wouldn't have the company that i keep and that would that'd be a really lonely existence so um you know if you if you want to draw positive energy and positive people into your life and have meaningful conversations with people he respect and, and, and admire, then you, you owe it to yourself to have the discipline to have self mastery on different topics and different things. So that that not only can you engage, but you can have something to offer. And there's something chemically that happens to us when we have those experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why we love to have guests over at our homes every everybody does right like most people like to have people at their house why because we we thrive off of of serving others and enjoying others company and having others enjoy our company Mm -hmm. um and i think that if if i didn't have the discipline in my life i wouldn't have those types of opportunities um and there those are you know there was i read a book that the average person's funeral only has 10 people crying in it oh that's right? terrible yeah it's, it's, that, man that's low yeah that's low, right? I've, I've, I've thought about um, my funeral many times in my life <laughs> no yeah. seriously it's been a guiding yeah. factor on me when you know sometimes people say like um you want to raise your your daughters to be uh you want to raise your son so to be someone that your daughter wants to be with, or you, you know, you want to raise your kids. People want to be with something like that. I've always thought about my funeral and I've always said at my funeral, you know, what would they say about me? Who, who's going to show up? Right. Mm-hmm. I've actually thought about that. And I've made decisions in my life and been like, don't be a piece of shit. Right? I've literally been like, and I've said to people, no one's going to that guy's funeral. That guy's, that, that guy's making bad decisions these days. <laughs> right. But that, but that's it. Right. So the, there's a, a perfect example. So the, the small decisions that you make, the tough decisions that you make to do things that you don't want to do are in the pursuit of getting, getting the most out of Chris as possible. And 
the reason you're doing that isn't for yourself. It's you want to impact others, right? Like, it's like, what are, what are people going to say? Who's going to be there? It's like, I'm sure you're, you're, you know, you, if someone's going to be there, it's, there's, there's positive things they're thinking and also sadness, but positive things. Right. And, you know, back to the 10 people, I was like, well, if the 10 people at my funeral are crying. I want them to be really crying. <laughs> like hysterical. Getting hysterical dehydrated. Portuguese woman crying at a funeral, you know, like <laughs> something like that. But it, it's, yeah. but it's, but it is more about um, that, that end aspect that is, is so key. And if, if you, again, it's like without discipline, you don't have order without discipline. You really have chaos and um, a chaotic life. Doesn't, it doesn't serve anyone. Right. And we're, 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 once you get over the idea that your life here, like the, the beauty about being mortal and, and the finite amount of time that we have here is understanding that, you know, if, if you have any kind of, um, spirituality about yourself you're understanding you're not here to make yourself happy right mm -hmm. and if you understand that you're not make yourself here happy then you got to start diving in to say no what am i going to do with myself then like what is my purpose and i think that there's a lot of people that need to understand and hear this it's it's that they're really valuable now imagine how valued you could be if you really applied yourself Imagine the gifts that you could give to other people if you really disciplined yourself. Imagine what you could accomplish with other people if you absolutely committed to being the best possible version of yourself. Like there is some serious power in that, but there's also incredible fulfillment from that. Mm -hmm. And I really, I really wish people understood that because you're here. You know, you're here for 80, 80.6 years. So what are you going to do with that time? Who are you going to impact, right? Make the most of yourself so you can make the most of others. I always um, wondered if superheroes existed on the planet. And after hearing you talk, it feels like if everybody reaches that potential with discipline to be the best they can, to impact others, to leave a positive footprint, everyone is now their superhero. Absolutely. Become a superhero. Yeah. That was beautiful, Brody. I don't think there's a better way to, to end off besides that. Yeah, cheers, man. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time today to sit down with us. What's next for you? The app and the dog training? Yeah, man. Yeah. Like I said, the, the app, my puppy pal goals to launch it in June. Um, I just started a new Instagram account, uh, the Dog Boss Canine. Uh, that's the name of the the new brand. The, the dog training business is Dog Boss Canine. Obviously doing most of the stuff in uh, behavior and obedience, but I'm also going to specialize in personal protection training. Something I know a thing or two about with dogs. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a, I'm doing a decoy seminar with a couple of guys who literally train Navy SEAL dogs in, uh, in June. And they're bringing some dogs up from the States that have had real bites overseas. So I'm going to get attacked by those dogs, which will be a lot of fun. Okay. I'll get a lot of experience out of it as well. Um, so I am taking, you know, I'm going to be taking a lot of courses in the next few years. And then my goal is to do some, some uh, dog sport trials and protection work and uh, really fully, fully immerse myself into the world, not as a participant anymore, but um, 
competitor and, and, you know, genuine person that is involved in the world and in the different sports, uh, not necessarily for the dog business reputation, but it's more of like, you know, the same reason that I love powerlifting, I love Olympic weightlifting, like immerse yourself in the competition so that you, you, you meet new people, you, you gain a respect for the discipline these people have in their sport and everything like that. And there's a greater sense of community, right? Like I can still remember so many of the people that I can competed with in powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting. And, you know, if I cross paths with them again, we have something to share. And I think that's a really cool thing. And, um, I want to do the same thing in, in this new path I'm taking. And I know it'll be, a, you know, very fulfilling. I have a feeling there's going to be a, a really good crowd at your funeral. <laughs> thanks so much brody i'm going to link all your good stuff here in our show notes so anyone can get in touch with you in the future for dog business and just see what you're up to you're, you're an amazing person i'm glad you're part of my circle of trust my circle of friends my life my tribe and man if, if this war happens don't turn your phone off because you're getting the call <laughs> absolutely fudge it's a pleasure being with you man feel the same way dude much respect take care awesome. thanks bro Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder, we will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.